Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Six minutes past 12, indeed. This is a Midday Live, SAFM 104 to 107. We welcome your SMS is 34701, and uh, you can tweet us, available at Kuala B News, at SAFM Midday Live. Emails also can come through Midday Live at sabc.co.za. Uh, just uh, one question this afternoon. What do you make of uh, AMCO rejecting gold sector pay deal? Uh, AMCO says that they are not happy uh, with uh, that uh, deal that was signed by, among others, uh, by Noom. They saying that uh, they will uh, take to the streets if it means if it means that if they don't find each other with uh, the chamber there. And uh, but the chamber is saying that uh, they will adopt a hard line if uh, Noom, uh, rather AMCO, uh, wants to embark on a uh, new industrial action over wages because uh, 70% of uh, the unions represented in the gold sector have signed that deal. So what do you make of this? Uh, it's uh, 34701, our SMS number, at B. That will be our Twitter handle this hour. And of course, uh, the treatment action campaign today leading uh, some matches uh, in some provinces against uh, the shortages in uh, medical drugs and of course uh, personnel and dilapidating infrastructure in the health sector. We heard that report that came through yesterday uh, that was delivered by that uh, particular coalition. So what do you make of that as well? And the court case against uh, Lieutenant General Bertrand Mondlim Zuli, which led to his removal shortly after his appointment as Gauteng Provincial Police Commissioner is underway at the Peter Maritzburg Regional Court. All right, it's eight minutes now, past 12. Dadaka Tuli, where to? How is Tuli doing? Oh, my poor daughter. If it's not skin rest, then it's asthma attacks. The strong chemicals you work with at the factory really did have some damage. As we speak, I'm on my way to the provincial labor office to submit her progress medical report. So does this mean she won't be reporting to work anytime soon? No. What concerns me is that the provincial labor office has been very helpful when it comes to making these claims at the compensation fund. They explain all the processes as well as verify which forms should be submitted on Tuli's behalf after the accident since her supervisor didn't report it. How? How many forms should be submitted exactly? At first is the notice of accident form. Right now I'm going to submit a progress medical report together with her affidavit. As long as she's been compensated for all this, you know, please send my regards to her. Will do. Did you know an injured employee must report his or her injury to the immediate supervisor within 24 hours? For more information, call 0860-105-350 or visit labor.gov.za. The Compensation Fund, working for you. To celebrate Catherine Jenkins' tour to South Africa, the September issue of Classic Feel presents an exclusive interview with the star. Packed with all your arts, culture and lifestyle requirements, this month, Classic Field features articles on the Tatuka Jewelry Awards and the newest public sculpture by celebrated artist Marco Chanfanelli. Get your copy of Classic Field now at selected newsagents and bookstores. For more, visit www.classicfield.coza. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 10 past 12, the survivors of uh, the Marikana tragedy are currently marching to the union buildings in Pretoria to demand state funding for their legal teams at the Marikana Commission of Inquiry. The commission has been uh, proceeding without the participation of uh, the miners who were arrested and injured during last year's uh, shooting. From on this now, we joined on the line by our reporter Spiwem Kize, uh, but also I must highlight that uh, we had spoken to Bishop Joe Sioka of the Anglican Church, who had uh, promised to be with us uh, this uh, lunch hour on the line, uh, also serving as the Marikana Support Group member, but unfortunately we can't get uh, through to him. But uh, Spiwem Kize, our reporter, just uh, took us through, maybe let's start with the commission. It's going ahead. What can you tell us? Yes, the commission is going ahead. We saw last week uh, Talimpofu, the lawyer for the uh, the miners there at Lonmen, uh, he was applying, he continued to uh, use his application for the uh, for the Marigana Commission to, post, to to be postponed until they sort out their legal uh, problem, their their money problems. So the, the the application was was not granted. And so then now we're seeing uh, some uh, thousands of people here at Caledonian uh, Stadium who are against that decision and they want uh, the miners to be supported and also both with legal team. Right. Uh, and the reasons for, for the adjournment and, of course, what did uh, uh, Judge Ian Fallon say when uh, adjourning the commission? 
Well, they, they adjourned the commission yesterday because of now we know that on stand it's the police, uh, a Kenyan, it's, it's somebody from, from SAPS, Kenyan Duncan Scott. His version of events uh, during from the 13th to the 16th, somehow it, the, 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 the pictures uh, don't match the pictures and the videos that they have got. They, 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 they are saying that they are inaccurate. They don't go uh, with the, those uh, that the, the lawyers or the, the evidence leaders have got. And they are saying that it, it makes their job very difficult. So they wanted the, the SAPS to sort first out their documents so that on Monday when they come back, they know that now uh, they, they, they'll go with the, with, with the documents that are identical. But for now, they are saying that it, 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 somehow it disturbs them with their work. With their work, it makes their job very difficult. The Marikana Support Group and uh, the survivors of uh, that uh, shooting last year are marching on uh, the union buildings today. Uh, what can you tell us about that march? Well, what I can say, Bongi, is that currently they are here at Caledonian Stadium and they are, up, they are now moving out of Caledonian and they are going to the union buildings. And what I can also say is that not only are, the, are, the, are those people, but also we see here the DA, uh, the DA, uh, 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 people from DA, there's also people from uh, Economic Freedom Front. We've seen Julius Malema, the leader, is also here. Bishop Sioka, as you said, is also here. There's lots of people. in Inca Freedom Party is also here. And also their leader, uh, Mangosutu Buteles, is also here. And I managed to speak to all these people that I've mentioned. And they are saying that they feel that it is unfair for the commission to, or to, to be ongoing while these people, the, 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 the main people, the victims and the lawyers for these victims are not here. They feel it is unfair and it will somehow not give these people justice. So that, hence they are here. And now as we're speaking, they are going to, they are marching to, to the, um, union buildings and, and it's very, the streets, some of the streets here are closed and, now we we seeing uh, but the, the, the metropolis that we also spoke to they're saying that everything is under control they can handle this uh, number of people who are here all right have you have you seen anyone uh, maybe from uh, from the ANC there currently i haven't been able to see anyone from the ANC and i'm looking forward to see to see if i can also speak to them at the union buildings because here there's uh, unless they are here and i haven't been able to see them because there's lots of people here there's over 20 buses of people people from marigana and also the community at large and also the parties that i've mentioned the saps is here so many people are here but i haven't been able to also spot maybe a, a flag to indicate that there's people from the anc so i'll i'll see at the union buildings as, as i'm speaking to you i'm on my way to the union buildings i might be able to see them there Thank you very much, uh, our reporter, Spiu Mkize, at this hour. It's uh, 15 minutes past 12. Let's talk now to Andrew Mosani, who is the TAC's Gauteng Provincial Secretary. The Treatment Action Campaign is today leading marches across uh, the country against the shortages in medical drugs being experienced in some provinces. The shortages not only affect South Africans, uh, or rather South Africa's over 2 million patients currently receiving antiretroviral medications in the public sector, but they also extend to other chronic medication, including that for hypertension and diabetes. Some of the provinces most affected by medical drug shortages include the Eastern Cape, Limpopo and Mpumalanga. Andrew Mosani, good afternoon to you. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Thank you very much. First, let's uh, talk about uh, the, the matches. We, we, we understand that uh, you have organized matches in many parts of the country. Just talk us through that. Okay. Uh, during the National Council of the Treatment Action Campaign that was held in June, we admitted, uh, we need to have a day of action regarding the outbreak of drug stockouts in South Africa in all the provinces that take its operation. Today, uh, the KZN, the Western Cape, Limpopo, Mpumalanga, and the Free State are marching to different legislature offices in their respective provinces to just to highlight the fact that we are having drug stockouts and we don't have critical will in terms of anything responding positively to these drug stockouts. We are trying to raise eyebrows. As as you know, we've been engaging with different MECs in different provinces in terms of the budgeting of the health system in specific provinces and who procures, who should be held accountable and who who doesn't do their duty correctly. And now tech yeah. tech in Hauteng and the Eastern Cape will be matching tomorrow. In the Eastern Cape they will be matching and in Hauteng we are matching to to the Hauteng legislature. 
And uh, in your uh, consultation, in your engagements with uh, different MECs, as you highlight, what has been uh, their reaction and uh, generally and uh, their attitudes specifically to, to the antiretroviral and the shortages there too? I'm going to be speaking on behalf of the Eastern Cape and Hauteng because that's where we've sure. been engaging closely. In Hauteng, we've been trying to engage with the current MC, who's Mr. Hope He has never been positive in responding to our letters, even our calls, as taking Hauteng. In the Eastern Cape, it's the same as Hauteng. The MEC is reluctant to meet with the campaign, whereas the national minister responds to most of the issues that the province is raising as TAC. So, obviously, we would need to take it to the street, also to bring in eyebrows into media houses to say, this is what your taxpayers' money are doing. There is much corruption in both the provinces. There is also overspending of the budget in both provinces. Mm. Uh, the, the TAC is a reputable organization. Um, 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 why have, haven't you engaged uh, the National Minister, Aaron Motsoled? He, he strikes me as a, as a reasonable minister who really listens and uh, I'm, I'm going to be open at- I'm going to be open and frank with you when it comes to the national minister himself. Sure. The national minister responds immediately to our calls, and he, he, he does intervene in terms of where we need assistance from his office. Remember, in Hauteng, we had a, an outbreak of drugs broke out. We, we went as far as getting medication delivered to our local clinics through the national office of the national minister. In case instead of the MEC himself responding to tech directly, the minister responded first. That's why the minister appointed a, a, a group of, of specialists who will see and try to fix the Eastern Cape Health System crisis. Mm. So, so the problems really lie with uh, the, the provincial administration. Is that what you're saying? Nationally, the minister is doing well, and we acknowledge the fact that he's responsive to whatever kind that we come out with. Administratively, provinces are failing the national minister, and they are also failing the recipients who are supposed to be getting drugs and access to better health care services. How dire is the situation of drugs shortages, not only the ARVs, but also uh, drugs for hypertension and diabetes? In, in Hauteng, through the intervention of the national minister's office, the, drugs, the drug shortages in terms of essential drugs is getting the scale is going down. Rather, we, sh- we are short of un- 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 contraceptive skills. We are short of gloves. We are short of needles. Minor things that need to be sorted immediately, but it's an outbreak. We have many challenges with to what is it that the healthcare has to do in terms of assisting the patients because I'm bleeding and I'm living with HIV and I go to the clinic. If there are no gloves, the healthcare workers assist me. In the Eastern Cape, it's the same as Hauteng. We, we, we're trying to engage with the MEC, and the MEC is reluctant to speak to us in the Eastern Cape, mm. as, as much as in, 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 in Hauteng. And you look at how the, the process of budgeting is done in both the provinces. They are overspending. In the Eastern Cape, there is a, a huge amount of money that is missing through the, the Special Investigating Unit investigating report that... 800 million was stolen by public officials in the last 18 months. Mm. All right. That, including the the attitudes of uh, these provincial uh, MECs for health, as you highlight, uh, if those attitudes continue, then then what is your next step? Initially, we're going to, as Hauteng, we're going to the office of the Speaker as the political head within the legislature of Hauteng, where Hope reports in that legislature. But now, if they fail us, as much as we promised yesterday during the press conference, that if need be, we will litigate, we will take the matter to court, because the right to health is, is enshrined in the constitution of the country. And it's our right as citizens to get access to healthcare services, including better services. Andrew Mosani, thank you very much. He is a TAC's Gauteng Provincial Secretary saying that more than 800 million rand was stolen from the Eastern Cape Health Department by public officials. What do you make of this as well? 20 minutes past 12.
our top story this hour. The rand is hovering near four-week highs against the U.S. dollar. The currency is tracking a generally firm tone in emerging markets, while official local data points to recovery in the key manufacturing sector. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,341.85 an ounce, platinum at $1,462.80 an ounce. The rand is at 9 rand 93 cents against the US dollar. It's at 15 rand 71 to the pound and it's at 13 rand 20 cents to the euro. This Saturday, the box take on the All Blacks in a clash that could decide the rugby championship. And we'll have regular crossings throughout the match on SAFM. On SAFM Sports Special, the PSL resumed with Amatax up against Bloom Celtic on Saturday and Mpumalanga Black Aces hosting Supersports United on Sunday. We'll take you to Loftus when the Bulls and Province lock horns. There's Davis Cup action to look forward to as well as the Dutch Open. We'll find out about the Legends Marathon and chat to big wave surfer Chris Furtish about Project Code Red. Find out all about that and a whole lot more this weekend on SAFM Sports Special with myself, Brad Brown. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. The judge in the court application to review the withdrawal of criminal charges against suspended crime intelligence boss Richard Nzuli says he finds it worrying that Lawrence Hodes, representing the National Director of Public Prosecutions, says a court cannot review a an NDPP decision. A civil rights group, Freedom Under Law, a challenging decision to have all the charges against him slowly withdrawn at the North Gauteng High Court in Pretoria. Let's talk now to our reporter who was uh, on this uh, particular story, Lila Machnas. Good afternoon to you, Lila. Good afternoon. Take us uh, through uh, the court proceedings today. Well, this morning started with um, Advocate Lawrence Hodes for the National for, for the national um, Public Prosecution saying to the court that the um, NPA head and that the, 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 the NDPP had the powers and authority to withdraw the charges against Richard Nglou. The, the charges relates to an uh, incident in 1999 where um, Opa Ram- Ramogiri was killed while he was showing the police where a previous attempt was made on his life. And he was the husband of uh, Madluli's former lover. There were 18 charges relating to this incident, and they were dropped. And um, the Hades said, said that the MPPP had the authority to drop the charges and that even the family of the deceased did not contact the NPA again and ask them to you know, investigate this matter further. Mm. And what else has been happening? Well, um, this has been basically um, putting his, uh, his, his, his case in front of the judge this morning. Um, he just finished now, and at the moment his advocate, William Mokari, who is representing the police in this case, now he is representing the police because Freedom Under Law is also asking the court to review the decision of the National Police Commissioner to withdraw disciplinary charges against Mdluli. Um, Makari is arguing at the moment that this is a labor um, law case and not a constitutional law case, and that freedom under law is really stretching the situation by trying to dress this labor issue up as a constitutional matter that should be heard in a high court or a constitutional court later on. All right, uh, we thank you very much, uh, Lila Machnas, our reporter on that uh, particular story. Let's go through some uh, some of your tweets and the uh, SMSs. This one coming from Deb Zamashekho saying that uh, AMCO just wanna prove a point, and it's unnecessary since uh, the majority unions have accepted the offer. They must uh, go back to work. Also commenting on the health issue, uh, Deb Zamashekho saying that uh, the Department of Health gets a higher portion of uh, the budget, but still our public health care is uh, the worst performing. 
Y. And uh, let's see some of your SMSs coming through 34701. Amku is right. Noom and company have sold out. Shame on them and push only Amku. You really have to, uh, the workers' interest at heart. That's uh, Fezile there. And uh, this one from uh, Gideon Masango says, I can understand that Marikana victims need funds, but fail to understand why landowners need money because of uh, the drought. Uh, we are always told we need land, nothing else. And uh, this one says, the government must show responsibility by paying for Marikana victims. That's Lucky Mashele in Matsakali village. I'll be reading more of your SMSs coming through 34701 right here on uh, Midday Live. Suspended sad to President Tobilem Dola has vowed that he will not uh, be silenced despite his suspension. Dola addressed students of uh, the Department of uh, Development Studies and COSATU members at uh, the Mission Vale campus of uh, the Nelson Mandela Metropolitan University in Port Elizabeth. Ndola was suspended after allowing the Federation's uh, General Secretary Zuelinzi Mavavi to speak at a SATU meeting a month ago. Asanda Ndame has more. Ndola received a resounding welcome with SATU members displaying a banner with the face of both Mavavi and Ndola. Written on the banner with bold white letters were the words, Hands off our leaders. In his address, Ndola emphasized that he was at the Missionville campus in his personal capacity. He says he is continuing with postgraduate studies at the university and was there because the institution had invited him. Ndola, however, warned that critical voices within the proprietor alliance will not be silenced despite his absence. Part of the cornerstones of democracy is to allow the members of that organization democratically to express their views. Of course, each discipline of the organization is that we must always express our views internally in the organization unless such issues have become public issues. Therefore, one of the important elements of any democracy is to allow individual members of that organization to be critical so that they are able to ensure that different views are considered. Actually, for any development in society, contradictions are necessary. Ndola also encouraged members present that as members of the ANC, they needed to continue leading in their respective positions. He, however, noted that he was aware of individuals who may be willing to take advantage of his suspension for personal gain. Also in attendance was the first deputy president of NUMSA, Andrew Chirua, as Ivan Jim was said to have been taking part in wage negotiations in Johannesburg. Chirua took a swipe at the pursuit of the National Development Plan, saying it was asking too much of the working class. Has the second decade of democracy belonged to the working class in quality of life? And that's the challenge that we have. When we have not done anything different, we are not even proposing anything different to pathways with the current neoliberal agenda and hope, you know, and that's the problem with NDP. There, there are good hopes in NDP. But in a class struggle, we can't be pursuing a struggle on the basis of hope. Meanwhile, Director of the Alternative Information Development Center, Brian Ashley, warns that the Union of a Labour Movement, together with a Communist Party led by the ruling ANC, had run its course. On the one hand, you have a section of Kasatu saying, look, we can't have Kasatu be simply being a Labour desk or a toy telephone or something like that. We need to be a militant confrontational labor movement fighting in the interests of poor and working class people that are getting the rough end of the stick in South Africa. And on the other hand, you have sections of the SACP and sections of Kasata saying, look, but we can't undermine our ANC, which is in government, etc. So we, we have to keep social peace. I, I think because of the growth of inequality and how that is playing itself out in South Africa, I don't think the alliance is going to hold. Ndola says he will use his time while in the Nelson Mandela Bay Metro during his suspension to help bring stability in the biggest metro in the province. Asanda Ndame for SAPC News, Port Elizabeth. A couple of SMSs also. This one says, uh, talk show, Amku must rest in peace. They must uh, know that uh, they are busy making damage to the mine. That's uh, Obed uh, Katamit there. And this one says, Advocate Lakula leased the building for IEC to the company which uh, she got shares in. Uh, that is conflict of interest. Pule was fired. Lakula must go too, says uh, Brian Kumalo in uh, Peter Maritzbeck. It's at uh, 12.30 right now and it's time for the news headlines. As I say, good afternoon to Utsile Sako.
Thanks, Bongi. In the headlines at 12.30, the National Conventional Arms Control Committee has declined about six major contracts for the import and export of arms between South Africa and external arms manufacturing and procurement companies. A memorial service will be held at 2 o'clock at the Guandengese Sports Ground for the 22 victims of last week's crash on Fields Hill, west of Durban. It had initially been announced that the service would start at 9 in the morning. And the 37-year-old suspect who was arrested in connection with the murder of a four-year-old girl that was found hanged in Gatlehong on Gauteng's East Rand has already appeared in court. Police spokesperson Megan Dobby says the case has been postponed to later this month and the suspect will remain in custody. Back to Bongi. Thanks. Uh, we'll see you at the top of the hour, but uh, let's say good afternoon to Shadow Twala. What's coming up between 1 and 2 this Thursday, Shadow? Hello, Bongi. Today my guest is rapper Jean Grey, also known as T.D. Ibrahim. She's the daughter of Fatima P. Benjamin and Abdullah Ibrahim wow. joins me to talk about herself, but about her, her life, you know. And she's just buried her mom, so we thought, you know, she'd give us a window into who her mother was. And then later on, we speak to psychologist Suzette Leal about how to spring clean our souls. Mm. So stay tuned. Uh, indeed, indeed. I need to do that too. I think I'm <laughs> carrying a lot of uh, baggage and gathered yes. in, my, in my heart, in my soul. <laughs> Please help me do that between one and two today. Well, you must listen. Thank you, Bongi. I shall do that. Thank you very much. Shadow, we'll see you then. Great radio indeed still to come right here on SFM 104 to 107. The trial of uh, Kenya's Deputy President William Ruto and radio journalist Joshua Arab Sang has been adjourned until Tuesday next week. The decision to adjourn follows an application by the prosecution indicating that uh, witnesses were yet to arrive in the Hague. Sarah Kiman reports. All rise, Day two at The Hague. Joshua Rapsang's lawyer, Katwa Keegan, took to the stand with just one aim, to clear the journalist's name. Using the red calendar radio broadcast by Sang, Keegan indicated that Sang is a peace-loving journalist. We insist on the innocence of Mr. Sang, and we insist on the position we just indicated, that whereas there is abandoned an infinite volume of evidence showing that in fact he is neither a warmonger nor did he participate in any way in the violence, whereas that material is abandoned, there is not the least iota of any evidence incriminating him, either in terms of the prosecution having disclosed it or in terms of its existence, and the reason why we are confident of non-existence of anything incriminating him is because he didn't commit an, an error. We insist that it will be impossible for the prosecution to make their case against our client, against my client, leave alone making the case beyond reasonable doubt. It is our view that this case will eventually reflect the three categories of uh, victims. The first victim being uh, the first set of victims being the victims of post-election violence. The second victim being Mr. Sang, who is a victim of the weight and the might of the prosecutor. And the third victim being the community that the prosecutor has, in the abundance of his judgment or lack of it, found fit to bring here for trial. And then Sang took to the stand. This is the man, Joshua Arab Sang standing before this court today. In my entire life, I've never stood before any court because I am a law-abiding person. Fighting back tears, he told of his tribulations since he was named as a suspect in the case. Today as I stand, a jobless man. I resigned from CAS because this is where the prosecution says I was doing my criminal things, as they say, because I couldn't stand anymore. I couldn't do my program, the one I love. I resigned, and today I'm not, I'm not seeking for any job, because I want to deal with this animal, these allegations of crime against humanity. Prosecutor Fatou Bensouda has linked Sang to a village crier of sorts, the link between the attackers and the politicians, including Deputy President Ruto. Keegan disagrees. Sang wondered how he continued broadcasting without the Kenyan government taking action. Do you think that government, with all functional system, 
would have stood Arab sang, being on air as the prosecution says, on first, second, third and fourth of January two thousand and eight, instructing, directing and coordinating attacks. Would the government have waited for me? While they could have raid when they raided a station on suspicion. And here there's somebody saying it on there. Four days according to them. The government just so so lenient to me. Was I was too short to be noticed by law? I want to say I'm a law abiding citizen and if the prosecution could have investigated and not allowed itself to be misled, they would have not they would not today have the wrong person in this court. God bless. At the end of his opening remark, uh, it's a shame really because we were hoping to proceed today, but that's the reality we have. Um, uh, we will adjourn and reconvene on Tuesday at 9.30. Sarah Kimani, SBC News. And uh, it's a great day here in South Africa today as the country uh, commemorates the death of uh, black consciousness leader Steve Biko on uh, this day 36 years ago. A series of events have been lined up uh, for uh, to, to celebrate uh, his life from Pretoria to King Williamstown. Those uh, whose lives Biko touched are expected to honor the men who died at the hands of uh, the apartheid security police. And of course, I see a, a lot of uh, people here wearing t-shirts with uh, Steve Biko's face and and of course, that uh, famous quotation that says, I write what I like. What do you remember uh, about uh, the late, great Steve Biko? Really, in, in uh, modern South Africa, do we still need to be aware of uh, our black consciousness? Do you think? And of course, uh, maybe if you have one great quotation that you can still remember, we'll welcome that on uh, uh, SMS line 34701. Otherwise, uh, tweets at Kualapi News here on SFM 104 to 107. Let's uh, speak shortly now to the Department of, ha- of uh, Health here in Gauteng. The spokesperson there is uh, Simon Zwan, of course, uh, responding uh, to what uh, Andrew Musami of uh, the TAC said earlier on. You remember that uh, the treatment action campaign is today leading much across the country against the shortages in medical drugs being experienced in many provinces in the country. Let's hear first what Andrew Musami, TAC's Gauteng Provincial Secretary, had to say. In Gauteng, we've been trying to engage with the current MEC, who's Mr. Hope He has never been positive in responding to our letters, even our calls, as taking Gauteng, whereas the national minister responds to most of the issues that the province is raising as TAC. So obviously we would need to take it to the street, also to bring in eyebrows into media houses to say, this is what your taxpayers' money are doing. There is much corruption in both the provinces. There is also overspending of the budget in both provinces. Mm. All right, uh, that is uh, Andrew Musani. He is uh, the TAC's Gauteng Provincial Secretary. And uh, to respond to this, Simon Zwane, you called in. You're saying that you want to respond to this. Uh, just uh, talk to us uh, about uh, some elements of this that you feel are unfair. Now, Andrew is unfair in saying that there's budget overspenditure on Gauteng. In fact, in the last, this financially ended in March, we came... Uh, within budget, we spend only 99% of the budget. So that issue, that, that cannot be an issue. Mm, but what but is the issue? Depart- no, I don't know what, what his real issues are, because as a department, we've always been willing to engage with the TAC. We followed up on all the issues that have raised. Wherever they have said to us that there's a shortage of medicine, that's the place we've, we've responded and resolved the issues. Mm. Uh, we've resolved the issues of shortages of AIDS, which were not caused by, by the department per se, but we've explained <coughs> previous that the companies that had been given the contract at some point they were experiencing capacity constraints in, in meeting the demands for the, for the supply of it. And we, together with the National Health Department, uh, devised a, a, a plan and that issue was attended to. Uh, ensuring that up to date there is sufficient supplies of ARVs okay. in the, in the, in the so, so, so to your best of knowledge really there, there, there is no problems with uh, uh, the issue of ARVs but also other medicine for chronic uh, sicknesses like hypertension and diabetes, there is no problem there in Gauteng, not at all no, we are, 
as we are addressing those issues as they emerge. I mean, we know they have been concentrated around agri-learning, okay. and that is because of space constraints in some of the clinics, which we are addressing, and we are addressing the problems that we have in our, in our pharmacies as well, uh, to ensure that those issues do not, do not continue to, to, to bug the system. And uh, insofar as uh, communicating with uh, 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 MEC Hope Pap, you're saying there's no problem at all right there. So they are just uh, making this up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying the MEC has, the MEC's office has got people who are always ready to respond to the the TAs whenever they raise issues. We thought, actually, we thought that there was a, a, a working arrangement that had been agreed with them, that the issues that emerge, they will escalate them, and the chief of staff will take those issues up. Uh, and, and if there's a need for a meeting, the chief of staff meets with them all the time to address the issues that are emerging from them. We're really puzzled that they should take this position against us. Simon Zwane is the spokesperson for the Department of Health here in Gauteng. Thank you very much. It's a 19 minutes to one. Just a couple of SMSs coming through on 34701. Policy shift, access to health care must be accompanied by increase in budget. That's MK Sebotoma there. And this one says that the only COSATU affiliate which is still fighting for the rights of the workers is NUMSA. All others are useless, says ZZ Samu member in uh, East London. It's uh, 18 and a half now to one. SAFM brings you live interactive topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues, to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Listen up for Shop Shop Children's Program on SAFM with Leon Fisser at 10 minutes to 2, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And here is Shop Shop, yes, Shop Shop from the farm. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Let's go up north now. Zimbabwe's new finance minister has pledged a measured approach to increasing black participation in the local economy. Patrick Chinamasa was speaking after the, that country's president, Robert Mugabe, saw in a new 26-member cabinet. Foreign direct investment uh, in the mineral-rich southern African country is just a fraction uh, of uh, that country's, uh, uh, or rather of uh, its neighbors, Zambia and Mozambique. And many are hoping that uh, with a new Ministers of Finance, uh, Indigenization and Mines, Zimbabwe has finally turned the corner on unpredictable policy statements and a combative style that has driven away potential investors. Our Harara correspondent is Shingai Nyoga, who filed this report for us. I don't want it to shoot from the hip. As Justice Minister, he gained a reputation as a hardliner. Just months ago, Patrick Chinamasa even barred United Nations officials from entering Zimbabwe to assess its election funding needs. But he's no longer talking tough in his new portfolio, shedding the tough guy image as the country tries to attract international money. Finance Minister Patrick Chinamasa. Running an economy is a serious matter. It's a very serious matter. I should not make... Uh, remarks which are uh, unconsidered. And let me say this, I'll be speaking less than I used to do when I was Minister of Justice. He says the country will continue to implement pro-black economic policies, but cautiously. It's important that uh, we grow our economy. It's important that we increase indigenous participation in our economy in a non-threatening way. Economic growth spurred by both local and international investment will be key to the success of the new government. And President Mugabe may have described his new administration as a war cabinet, but his appointment of moderates in key economic ministries suggests otherwise. But he's brushing aside suggestions that by replacing two combative ministers of indigenization and mines reflects a softening stance. Zimbabwe President Robert Mugabe. Whether you are introvert or extrovert, there is a program for you. You must do it. And uh, we want to see the drive. We want to see indigenization done.
Mind Minister Walter Chidakwa is new to cabinet, and Mugabe has described him as honest and hardworking. Chidakwa says he plans to reorganize the mining sector to ensure the growth of the extractive and value addition sectors. Mind Minister Walter Chidakwa. If we, if we do not do what is necessary to ensure that we own and benefit from our resources, then we will suffer. But if we ensure that uh, we get the investment, on the one hand, it's a balancing act. We do need to get the, the investment. We do need to ensure that uh, the, the capital comes in, the technical know-how comes in, the financial resources come, come in, but ensuring also that uh, the end result of uh, the mining also benefits Zimbabwe. And I think that's, that's the way we should go. While Zimbabwe talks caution and pragmatism, investors wait, wanting to see whether the new pledges will translate into a less combative and more investor-friendly policies. Shingai Nyoka, SABC News, Harare, Zimbabwe. With that, we give you your lunchtime market updates and we say good afternoon to Mpo More of Sasfin Securities. Mpo, I see the rand is hovering near the four-week high against the U.S. dollar. How has that affected trade today? Uh, good afternoon, Bongi. Uh, market is trading better on uh, yesterday's better than expected July manufacturing data, which has uh, helped to lift the rent to levels last seen around the 12th of August uh, 2010. Markets uh, are a bit softer in Europe, where the foot is down a quarter of a percent, tax down 0.8%, and the CAC 40 is 0.4% lower. Back to the JSC, we've got the gold index down 2.5%, resource index up 0.15%, Industrial index up a quarter of a percent. Financial index up 0.3 of a percent. The overall market is up 108 points or a quarter of a percent to 43,527 points. And uh, I see results coming out of uh, Don Group Corporation and uh, RMI Holdings. Uh, firstly, Don Group released their full year result. Uh, headline earnings per share were up uh, 74%. To 66.1 cents as against the 38.1 cents previously. A final gross dividend of 16.5 cents per share was declared. Dawn Group is currently trading 0.1% lower at 9 rands. Spare Corp also released their full year result. Diluted headline earnings per share were up 22.4% to 156.64 cents as against 127.95 cents previously. A final gross dividend of 56 cents per share was declared. Spare Corp is currently trading 0.3% lower at 32 rands and 30 cents. And lastly, RMI released their full year result. Uh, normalized earnings per share were up uh, only 7% to 169.9 cents. as against 159.5 cents previously. A final gross dividend of 55 cents per share was declared. RMI holding is currently trading 0.7% lower at uh, 26 rands and 25 cents. And uh, big movers today? Uh, on the upside, mainly dominated by retailers, we've got uh, Truett up uh, 3.8% to 89 rands and 88 cents. Lewis Group up 3.5% to 62 rands and 80 cents. MassMart up 3.3% to 172 rands and 3 cents. Clicks Group up uh, 3.25% to 57 rands and 51 cents. Sasfin up 2.7% to 37 rands and 48 cents. On the downside, mainly the gold shares, we've got gold fields down 3.4% to 48 rands and 68 cents. Richmond down 3.1% to 96 rands and 73 cents. Anglo Gold Ashanti down 2.6% to 130 rands and 90 cents. Harmony Gold down 2.6% to 38 rands and 3 cents. And lastly, Vodacom down 1 and 3 quarters of a percent to 115 rands and 33 cents. And your latest market indicators? The gold price is currently quoted at $1,344.20 an ounce, platinum $1,460.40 a fine ounce, brand crude $109.90 per barrel. The government R157 is trading at yield of 6.07%. And now to our currencies, the rent to the dollar is at 9 rents and 93 cents, the rent to the euro is at 13 rents and 20 cents, the rent to the pound is at 15 rents and 71 cents. Back to you, Thank you very much uh, to Paul More of Sasfin Securities.
All right, uh, we continue. The Department of Trade and Industry has uh, identified 10 potential special economic zones, SEZs, countrywide, and uh, is now conducting feasibility studies to determine their viability. Earlier this year, Minister Rob Davis presented the Special Economic Zones uh, Bill to Parliament's Portfolio Committee on Trade and Industry. He announced that uh, his department was close to finalizing Saldana Bay in the Western Cape as a special economic zones. The SEZs generally are designed to promote economic growth and uh, job creation by setting up enabling environments for developing targeted industrial activities and attracting both domestic and foreign direct investment in manufacturing and uh, tradable services. Let's uh, talk now uh, to Charmaine Pretorius uh, from uh, the Consultancy Intelligence uh, just uh, to talk us uh, through uh, this uh, issue really. Uh, Very interesting uh, stuff coming out uh, uh, from your uh, research Charmaine. What have you found? Because it it will appear that uh, special economic zones have become the new buzzword for African governments? Absolutely. Um, I have to agree with you there. You know, I, I think in, in, in the past, uh, maybe in the past 10 years, uh, there has just been an explosion of economic zones in Africa. I think currently there are about 114 uh, uh, special economic zones in, in Africa, and uh, some, most of them is actually run by uh, by Chinese uh, companies, uh, Chinese provinces. Um, you know, so so the, this does not uh, officially involve the Chinese government. But many of the special economic zones um, actually have been um, set up with outside assistance. I think South Africa is one of the cases where uh, it was not. You know, the the four zones were not set up uh, with uh, with outside assistance. Hmm. But but why the move from uh, industrial development zones? Because I see here, uh, particularly here in South Africa, Minister uh, Rob Davis is trying to move away from those at least. Um, that is, I, I think this is this is also the the interesting issue for me because initially the South African government uh, did consider uh, the term special economic zone. But uh, there were some some issues with labor organizations. They they didn't want to. Uh, they didn't they didn't like the name. And I think another issue was also um, in industrial development zones uh, sounded uh, sounded better in terms of I, I don't know maybe labor practices or something. So I, I do know that the original um, IDZ uh, term uh, did did. Uh, was was uh, because of labor union um, some some other labor union action mm. or uh, dis- dissatisfaction, but um, it seems that now they uh, I know I do know that uh, Minister Davies has uh, that he has decided that uh, the, the zones uh, they would be reclassified as special economic zones again, and um, because the the industrial development zones were not successful. Uh, there were some successes that did create some employment. Uh, you know, the, the, the four zones, again, maybe I can just, uh, I can just tell you the four zones, uh, the one at Kucha, uh, near Port Elizabeth in the, in the Eastern Cape. That was the first one in 2001. So it's almost 10 years ago. Uh, then, uh, the East London one a year later in the Eastern Cape. Uh, that one actually did quite well because it was uh, situated uh, near the, the Mercedes-Benz um, manufacturing uh, uh, plant or something. So a lot of the companies in, in that zone actually produces for, for, man, for Mercedes-Benz. And um, uh, I, I think also this is the most uh, successful one so far. Mm. The third one was in Richards Bay. Um, the, it's uh, also... Uh, this one focused on, uh, for example, mineral beneficiation, heavy metals, uh, building products, dry docks. But uh, I, I think one thing that was also interesting for me, which is also a, a, an issue that scholars are worried about today, is, uh, for example, infrastructure like electricity. Uh, since the 2008 electricity crisis in South Africa, th- that zone basically has died off. Okay. There has been no new investments. Um, you know, and, and then of course the last one is the Oliver Tumbo zone, which uh, is not in operation yet because they haven't found an administrator for that zone Sh- yet. Shamin, I think we, we need a, a slightly longer debate on this one, but uh, before I let you go, really, uh, some of these uh, uh, special uh, economic zones really are yes. key development uh, 
focus areas. So aren't uh, African governments, particularly South African government, uh, running a risk of uh, the Chinese taking over our key developmental points? You know, I um, I, I think that issue is, is that um, the, the Chinese have moved into Africa at a very rapid speed. So I, I do have to say I have respect for the South African government that they that they try to do this, uh, you know, in a in a uniquely African way. But uh, but uh, I also believe that you know when when something works, then we should try to to take something from that, because in the end I do believe that Africa needs to develop their own model. You know, the the model in China was successful because. It developed their own kind of special economic zone model. So, and I, I think for South Africa the same. The, the, the main purpose, of course, is economic development and uh, uh, job creation. I, I think uh, for South Africa this is uh, this is the, the, the most um, important thing at the moment is development, job creation, and uh, you know the, the other things that follow out of that is, is added benefit like uh, education, technical skills. But uh, the, the, the main issue, the main issue, I would say, is, uh, is economic development and growth, uh, employment growth. All right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Charmaine Pretorius from uh, the Consultancy Intelligence uh, Group there. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, has released a report showing that there is a staggering 1.3 billion tons of food waste each year, with the Asian region, including China, seen as the worst culprit. According to the report, billions of dollars are lost annually due to the food wastage. Uh, FAO has uh, also indicated that uh, the waste will be di- will have dire consequences for the climate in the long run. Let's uh, talk now uh, to the coordinator of uh, FAO's Food Wastage Footprint Project, Matilda Evans. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Uh, just talk us through this, this report, really. It sounds uh, staggering, as it were, but uh, just, just talk us through it, really. What are the key findings? Yeah, so we try to look at the environmental impacts of food wastage um, and trying to look what is the global impact of food wastage and what are the hotspots of um, the environmental impact of food wastage in terms of region and commodities. So just to give you uh, an idea of, uh, of the key finding, in terms of, um, of carbon, uh, the f- if food wastage was a country in terms of carbon, uh, that will be the third most emitting country in the world. Uh, so to give you another example, maybe that, that could be a bit easy, more easily understood, this represents twice the entire emission due to all the road transportation in the USA in mm. 2000. So and these numbers are really, really big, big number. Uh, that's for the carbon, for, for the water, uh, if you calculate the annual discharge of the Zambezi River, which is uh, one of the main rivers in Africa, um, it's, and it's 250 cubic kilometers of water. This is the water footprint of food wastage. And, and how, is, terms, how uh, is Africa faring here? I mean, uh, we, we see that uh, the East is uh, uh, really uh, Asian, Asian region really is, is the one that is leading, but how is Africa doing? So I wouldn't say necessarily that uh, Asia is, is leading. That, that's that's important to say because um, because actually if if you look uh, if you look at, at all the country, we can see that food wastage is important uh, a bit everywhere. In terms of uh, sub-Saharan Africa, um, the the quantity of food uh, wastage is important as well. The thing is, um, for sub-Saharan Africa, the waste uh, are most more considering losses. They are happening more at the beginning of the value chain at the farm level because of poor harvest and uh, poor infrastructure to keep the harvest and to not have losses uh, at that point. All right, so that's the, the key message is try to look at uh, what's happening at the farmer level, even though the consumer also have a high responsibility in trying to less waste, waste less at home. We're going to have to leave it at that, Matilda Evans. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, but thank you very much, coordinator of uh, FAO's Food Wastage Footprint Project. Uh, Budaza, are you saying midday live? Please read our emails. Okay, there's plenty of them about uh, the, the lives and times of uh, Steve Biko, but uh, perhaps let me read uh, some quotable quotes here. Black men, you are on your own. That's a slogan 
slogan coined by Steve Biko for the South African Students Organization, SASO. And uh, this one says, uh, the, the most potent uh, weapon in the hands of uh, the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed, a speech uh, uh, by Steve Biko in Cape Town in 1971.